This is Rising Up with Sonali and I'm your host Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. The presence of progressive representatives of color in Congress, especially since 2018, has helped push the US government into a markedly more liberal direction. Congresswomen Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley in particular have applied effective pressure against the center of the Democratic Party. Many credit them for President Joe Biden's leftward tilt. Now, in a special election being held this year in Ohio, there may be a new member to join the squad. Nina Turner is former state senator from Ohio. She was a national surrogate for presidential candidate Bernie Sanders in 2016 and the national co-chair of the Bernie 2020 campaign. And she's running for Congress to represent Ohio's 11th district, which includes much of Cleveland. Welcome to the program, Nina Turner. Thanks for having me. So, uh as President Joe Biden has been offering up rhetoric at least that is far closer to Bernie Sanders than say President Obama or Senator Hillary Clinton, is that lip service a testament to the impact that Sanders and other very vocal progressives in Congress have had on the political landscape or do you think it's some personal transformation that Biden is going through? I mean I mean your your premise is exactly right the Biden administration is definitely leaning more progressive than I think they otherwise would have but for the fertile ground that the progressive movement set and Senator Bernie Sanders played a very unique and important role in doing that the covid relief bill itself is a very big example of the uh, progressive uh, fingerprints on that if you will in terms of uh you know the stimulus checks even though many progressives were pushing for that $2000 it was important important to get the $1400 into the hands of people who really needed the child tax credits which helped to cut childhood poverty in half which is a beautiful thing you know in my district the childhood poverty is high so i am pushing that the you know i look forward to pushing the administration to go all the way because if we can push it by 50% meaning cutting childhood poverty by 50% for example then we might as well go all the way and cut it to 100%. And so it is important that progressives continue that journey within that bill too it was uh giving more funding to local to state and local governments which needed to be done uh increasing the the unemployment benefits so all of the variables or many of the variables i will say in that covid relief package certainly came to uh to be in reality because of the progressive movement pushing very hard and we got to continue pushing we so got many you, more miles to go you see it as as more than just lip service even in actual fact even in through actual policy you see this administration as maybe more progressive than many of us before his inauguration had hoped for Yeah and that and that is a good thing. I mean, progressive policies are not just popular, they're necessary. And the majority of the American people agree with the progressive movement, although some might not necessarily call themselves progressives. What I have found in my district in Ohio 11th and also in my travels across the country that the needs of people are great, that what the progressives are pushing for are the very policy changes that american people need so whether we're talking about medicare for all or canceling student debt or or uh you know having a robust pre-k program you know making sure that that three 
three-year-olds and four-year-olds uh, can go to school, thereby relieving lots of families of that childcare uh, burden, uh, the, the cost of childcare, I should say, and then making sure that our three and four-year-olds are getting what they need uh, through education to be ready for kindergarten. All of those things are progressive ideas, and it is encouraging to hear the Biden administration talk about those issues and, and lay those on the table for debate and, and hopefully passage by the Congress. So the progressive movement should take great pride. Now, even in that though, Sonali, we have a ways to go. The $15 an hour minimum wage should have been in that COVID relief package. It was not. So that is the floor. That is not the ceiling. We must continue to push for that. Medicare for all, for example, we got to keep pushing for that without relenting because besides dealing with climate chaos, that is one of the most important revolutionary changes that we can have in this country. I mean, by way of example, 1 million people in my home state lost their employer-sponsored health care. We must not continue to commodify health care in the United States of America. And guess what? The pandemic gives us an awesome opportunity to do a new thing, to reimagine health care in the United States of America. And because Democrats hold all of the levers of power in both chambers of the Congress and also the presidency, we ought to use that power that the American people gave us to change their material conditions. And again, I'm looking forward to going to that Congress to help do just that. Let's talk about that. Ohio has a special election this November, although the midterms uh, will be next November. There's uh, one seat up, and that's the one vacated by Marsha Fudge, who was uh, appointed by the Biden administration to be housing secretary. So you are running for that seat. It's District 11 in Ohio, which uh, includes much of Cleveland, where you are based. First of all, why are you running for Congress um, in addition to pushing on the issue of Medicare for all? How do you see your role in or potential role in Congress? Yes, I'm running for that seat. The, the special election uh, early vote starts uh, July 7th, uh, coming up here really quickly. And then the special election day is on August the 3rd. It is vitally important that we uh, continue to push and have the courage to ask for more. I am running for this seat because I do have the courage to ask for more. I'm running on an opportunity agenda. I believe that the citizens, the residents, the voters of the 11th Congressional District deserve so much more. Medicare for all would benefit my district. Canceling student debt would benefit my district. We know that from a global standpoint or a national standpoint, it's $1.7 trillion worth of debt. $1.7 trillion worth of debt and black women hold the greatest amount of that debt. So to cancel student debt would have a class and a caste component. It would be a racial justice component to doing that, ensuring that we have paid family medical leave so that families can have relief, supporting and standing up for universal pre-K through college. I believe that college, public colleges and universities should be free. And as someone who was an educator, a professor at a community college and a first generation graduate, Sonali, I do understand from a lived experience how important it is to have access to, to colleges and universities or trade and vocational training as well, because we talk a lot about colleges and universities as well, we should, but also we must have a component so that people have choices if they do not want to go to a traditional college or university that they can have vocational and techno technological training that gets them the higher skill level that they need to be able to compete, you know, clean water, clean food, clean air 
too many children in the 11th congressional district go to bed hungry at night. So I, I want to center the poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class in the 11th congressional district in this state and in this nation and help to push the body politic to bend to the will of those people who have the greatest needs for change instead of allowing big corporation and ultra ultra wealthy continue to control the politics in the United States of America. It sounds as though Cleveland and the the statistics that you've cited, some of the issues that it's grappling with, Cleveland is a microcosm of the United States as a, as a whole? Very much so. And my district extends to greater Cleveland, including, you know, suburban communities, which is why I'm saying greater Cleveland and also greater Akron. We also uh, have uh, family members, if you will, in the greater Akron uh, area. It's, and it's a strange suburban. shaped district. Is, is there a reason for that? It is, oh, yeah. Redistricting that happened in 2010, of which I was in the state Senate and I actually voted against that map because it was ger gerrymandered. And so Cleveland finds itself with four Congress people, just as uh, my sisters and brothers in Akron find themselves with four Congress people as well. And it does a disservice to constituents because they cannot necessarily. Uh, well, let me let me say it another way. The politicians got a chance to pick their constituents and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So it was an absolutely horrible map. And uh, that is why, the, you know, you, you're talking about that strange line. Yeah. It is very strange and it does a disservice to the residents in those in those communities. But we're going to work with what we have. The lines will change for next year, Sonali. So I may be running in a different district, but we're going to work with what we have. And so my goal is to bring uh, both communities together in a deeper way to know that what we that that our interests are definitely uh, inter intertwined and that the 11th congressional district will be represented as a whole. We will rise together and we will do a new thing together. Nina, I want to talk about the intersection of race and politics. Uh, your Democratic opponent in the August primary is Chantel Brown. She's also a black woman like you are. Marsha Fudge held the same seat. She's a black woman. The Democratic Party looks very different from the Republican Party in its diversity. Obviously, there are far more people of color in the Democratic Party. However, how important is it to emphasize the politics among the diverse representatives. It's, you know, it, it's one thing to have a person of color representing one in Congress, but to have a progressive person of color, does that, in your mind, better represent people of color as a whole in the U.S.? Well, it does. And uh, the party is not homogeneous. So we know we have our moderates and we have progressives in, in the party. And then we have some people who you might even question, are they really Democrats? Uh, talking, I, I see you, Cinema uh, and, and Joe Manchin, by way of example. <laughs> I just couldn't resist saying that. Sure. But but yes, I mean, we, we span the, the gamut, but the progressive movement is that of the humanitarian. It's the humanitarian side of the equation. I consider myself a hell-raising humanitarian. And when you have somebody that is running who will not equivocate, and that's me, on Medicare for All, on increasing the minimum wage, understanding very clearly that I will work with anybody, be they conservative, uh, moderate, or progressive, but they must be on a justice journey. And I think that there are many things that we can do together if, in fact, we are not so caught up on what is the particular ideological uh, strata within our party and focus on the needs of the people. See, that's what we should be centering, not politicians, not personalities, but what are the needs of the people and Sonali, that is why I am running. That is why I believe I am the best suited in this particular moment 
to serve my community. The needs are great, but the opportunities are even greater. And that opportunity agenda that I am laying out is necessary for a time uh, such as this. And I will say that there are about 13 people in this race, uh, not just two. There are 13 right, people that's right. in this race competing. And it's a beautiful thing. That's what primaries are for. It is for uh, people to bounce uh, ideas. It's for the voters to be able to have a choice. And they will have a choice. And I'm working very hard to make sure that when they go vote, they're an early vote on July the 7th and election day on August the 3rd, that they see very clearly who is the best choice. And that is me, Nina Turner. Uh, I know. So I should have said your main opponent is Chantal Brown. Uh, she has been backed by the establishment Democratic Party. Uh, being in Congress is about more than just domestic policy. It also involves taking positions on foreign policy. Right now, there's a very serious Israeli assault on Gaza and in West Jerusalem. Um, and that's been an interesting point of contention just in the past few days. Um, Chantal Brown has been backed by groups like pro-Israel America and Democratic majority for Israel, and you've been critical of uh, U.S. support for Israel or being so unconditional, especially in light of the war that's happening right now. It used to be that being in any way critical of the state of Israel was a litmus test, that if you failed that test, it was very difficult to get elected to a seat in Congress. Do you think that's changing now, especially given the, the squad, uh, women like Ilhan Omar, the congresswoman from Minnesota, Rashida Tlaib of, of Michigan, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Um, we're seeing more voices critical of the state of Israel and questioning why we're giving unconditional support to a regime that is clearly violating human rights. So I'm wondering if it's possible to be critical of the state of Israel and be elected to Congress these days, even in Ohio. And you see representatives like Representative Pocan uh, standing up and others, just to say that there really is a difference between the, uh, the authoritarian uh, model that Netanyahu is using and the, and the people of Israel that we both, that two things can be uh, can be true at the same time. The United States must continue to uh, give aid uh, to the state of Israel. We also must look at that aid and to ensure that that aid is being used for humanitarian reasons. And that if we suspect that that is not the case, we have to say something about it. I truly believe in justice and security for Israel and justice and security for Palestinians, those two things must happen. And the United States of America plays a very unique role in bringing the two, uh, the, the, the two communities, if you will, together. And we, and we must do that. We, we absolutely have to do that. And, and this battle and this struggle has been going on for such a long time. And it impacts all of us. It impacts some communities more directly than others. But we cannot turn a blind eye to in in, in uh, we cannot turn a, a blind eye when things are not going right and when people are not being treated right on either side of this. And so we must stand up for humanity. And I'm really glad to see members of Congress in this very moment uh, standing up, saying that we got to be a part of finding a solution and also speaking a certain truth to power. And it is okay to do that. That is an, our, our obligation as humankind to not turn our backs on people when they are suffering. So definitely affirming Israel's right to exist and to be protected and the right of Palestinians to have security and justice too. And we absolutely must find a fix. It is absolutely heartbreaking uh, what I am seeing happening uh, right now. And when there are terrorist forces, they must be called out you know, as well. So what, what, what is happening with Hamas and others, that has to be called out 
too. So humanity, security and justice, that is where our position must be. We must hold that position for both peoples. Is your is this race in the special election in Ohio after the primary, uh, do you see it as a test of where the Democratic Party might be heading? Um, you know, how the primary itself in August turns out, do you think that's a test of the Democratic Party? Well, for me, Nali, I like to center the people more than the party. I mean, when folks do ask me what kind of Democrat I am, I tell them I am a Shirley, Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm Democrat, unbought, mm-hmm. unbossed. I am a Congresswoman Barbara Jordan type of Democrat. What the people want is very simple. They want an America as good as his promise. And even President FDR had to do the tangle a time or two with the status quo and the power structure of his day. And he said very clearly, I welcome your hatred. I named those those uh, folks as example, and even in my, you know, in my home state from you know, Mayor, Mayor Carl B. Stokes to, to Congressman Stokes, you name it. We have a tradition in the 11 congressional districts of, of Congress people standing up for what is just, for what is right and what is good and being unafraid to call out individuals or systems that are not working for the people that we serve. And so, unfortunately, the media is very much focused on who's up and who's down and who's the progressive and who's the moderate. What I want to know is whose side are we standing on? And are you running, whoever's running, whatever level of government they're running for, are they running to help to change the material conditions of the people they want to serve, or are they running to be in somebody else's club? Uh, For me, my centering is the poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class. And I will say, as I have said before, I will work with anybody that wants to be on a justice journey, and I will also challenge when I feel as though the people who I represent are not getting what they deserve. That is where the courage to ask for more comes in. So I will not be centering you know, any uh, one person or anyone. It is what or one person or party, it is what are we doing for the people. I am, you know, my, my democratic bona fides are intact. I am a member of the DNC. I campaigned twice for President uh, Barack Obama, was a delegate for him twice. I was the Democratic nominee in 2014 for Secretary of State, bumping up, back, bumping up against Republicans and who we know right now are causing mischief within our voting, you know, the voting system in this country. 361 bills pending in 47 states to scale back voting opportunities. I was the chair of party engagement for the Ohio Democratic Party. And more than anybody else in this race, I've helped Democrats run and also win all across this country. So the value proposition of the Democratic Party is what I'm rocking with, not individual personalities. And to the extent that we should be the party of the poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class and help to change their material conditions, the American people believe that in 2020. And that is why my party holds all of the levers of power. And so right now is our opportunity to go big, to go bold, and to use this COVID crisis as an opportunity to do just that. Systemic problems require systemic solutions, Sonali, and that is why I am running, to be a part of any movement, be it movement in the Congress or movement on the streets, of people who want to change the material conditions of the poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class, the despised, the marginalized, and the forgotten in the United States of America and by extension in this world. And so I am looking forward to being able to serve as the next Congresswoman of the 11th Congressional District. 
Where can people find out more about your campaign and support it if they want to see oh, your they covers? can go to ninaturner.com, ninaturner.com. Please join us in this people-powered movement. We need you. And we'll post a link to that from our website. Uh, future Congresswoman, hopefully, Nina Turner, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Sonata. My guest has been Nina Turner, former state senator from Ohio. She was a national surrogate for presidential candidate Bernie Sanders in 2016 and was the national co-chair of the Bernie 2020 campaign. We've been talking about her run for Congress to represent Ohio's 11th district in a special election. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com where you can sign up for our newsletter, find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify.